praise. Jesus, we are so thankful. We celebrate you today. The giver of life. The breaker of the chains of sin. The forgiver of sin. The grace giver. The one who loves perfectly and endlessly. We give you praise. We celebrate you, Jesus. We celebrate life. celebrate the abundant life that you came to give us. You are the giver and we praise you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Wow. To all of to all of you who are in overflow, thank you. To all of you who are in the lobby, thank you. To all of you that are on TV in your homes, no, they're really not any of those. <laughs> I just want to thank uh, my wife and my children. No, <laughs> but uh, we do have we do have a lot of people in, <laughs> in a lot of rooms around here, and uh, and we're we appreciate your your patience. Um. This, today I'm going to begin a series uh, that will, will go on for the next few weeks called Encounter. The Lord wants to have an encounter with every single human being. He wants to have such an encounter with you that your life will be changed forever. As a matter of fact, it's impossible if you truly have an encounter with the Lord that for your life to ever be the same again. It's impossible. If you ever have an encounter with the Lord that where you receive Him as your Savior, I promise you that you will never be the same. And some of you say, but Bud, I know people who say they've had an encounter with the Lord, but then they, they've, they've got away from the Lord and I'm watching what they're doing and so they're not the same uh, or, or they're, they're the same as they used to be. No, 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 they're not. Because see, there's something that the Lord does inside of us that, that causes you to, that takes the joy of sin away. See, once you come to Jesus and you know him and you've tasted of life, and you've tasted of the peace that he gives, and you've tasted of the joy that can only come from him, and you've tasted of the freedom from sin, and you've tasted of unconditional love, and you've tasted of life and life more abundantly, it is literally impossible to ever be the same again. Because even when you try to go back to, to where you used to be, you can't enjoy it anymore. He takes it away. It's a beautiful thing. And, I, and see, when I came to know Jesus, I, I, did, I did not, I, didn't, I wasn't raised in church. And so when I came to know Jesus, I came out of a, of a pretty, pretty rough lifestyle. A lifestyle that that was pretty anti-God. I mean, you know, there was nothing in my life that 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 would have touched God, or or that you would have seen that would have made you think I would know Him. Um, but when Jesus came into my heart, I, I didn't have a Bible knowledge. 
I didn't have any kind of scriptural knowledge, but when I received Jesus as my Savior, I knew enough about Jesus to know that I had heard that he died for me because I was a sinner. I heard that I could be saved because he died to pay for my sin and rose again. I heard that. And there was a point in my life where I said, I believe it. Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. Save me, Lord. I didn't know a prayer to pray. It wasn't one of those like that, you know, like the fancy prayer. Lord, I ask you to forgive me for sin. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. I receive you into my life. I'll be the Lord of my life. I didn't know all that stuff. I didn't even know what you were supposed to say. All I said was, Jesus, save me. Well, he knew the reason I needed to be saved because I recognized that I was a sinner. After the Lord saved me, there was something radical happened in my life. And here's how I know. See, I didn't have scripture and verse to be able to put together to explain what had happened in me, but I woke up different. There was a love in my life for people that, unlike anything that I'd ever had before, and it wasn't because some preacher preached it to me and told me I was supposed to. It was something supernatural that happened inside of me. I couldn't explain it. There was, there was a desire for God and, God, and, and, and to walk with God and for His Word. I'd never cared about reading the Bible, never really wanted to read the Bible, never had a relationship with God. But suddenly there's a hunger inside of me that says, God, I want to walk with you. I couldn't have put that hunger there. It wasn't a change of mind. It was because the Spirit of God radically changed my life, and He wants to radically change yours, and an encounter with Jesus will bring radical change. Now, I'm not telling that you're going to be perfect. I have been far from perfect. I was far from perfect early on. There was a time that I thought I was perfect. Then I found out shortly after that that I wasn't. I don't know if anybody else goes through that stage, but I had gotten so radically saved, I went to church and started looking at church people, and I thought, man, you bunch of hypocrites. You ought to love Jesus the way I do. And then I realized, man, oh, man. Um, So anyway, he wants to have an encounter that brings radical change to your life, and he will do that. And and so I want to I want to read one verse of scripture, and um, and we're going to talk about that uh, just for a minute because I want to introduce you to the one today that you want to have an encounter with if you haven't. And I'm not talking about a head knowledge encounter. I'm not talking about that you've heard about Jesus. I'm talking about an encounter where you open your heart and you give him access to your spirit and you let him give you life and change you forever. Look at John 3.16. Many of you know this verse. For God so loved the world. I'm glad it was God. They so loved the world. See, anybody else, it wouldn't matter because they couldn't do what needed to be done. But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son and that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life or eternal life. And let me tell you something about that eternal life. That is, that is not just quantity. See, when he says we have eternal life, I think sometimes people get the idea that, well, you know what, I understand living forever. I understand that, that when I trust Jesus as my Savior, that I'm going to get a home in heaven one day and I'm going to live forever. But what I want you to know is that eternal life is not just duration. 
It's not just quantity of life, it is quality of life. Because when Jesus comes into a person's life, he doesn't just come to give you a ticket to heaven. He comes in to bring you life. And that life that will change that will change you day after day after day in your walk with him. He provides for you. He protects you. He fills your life. To know him and to understand why Easter and why the resurrection is so important, I want us to go back just a little bit. I want us to go back just as far as the Garden of Eden. Let's go back to the Garden of Eden just for a minute, and we see God creating everything. He created and said it is good. He created and said it is good. He created and said it was good. And then he came to man. And he said, we're going we're to make man a little bit different. He's not going to be like the animals. We're going to make man in our image. In our image, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God. We're going to make man in our image. And so he created man from the dust of the ground. And he breathed, breathed life into man. That word breathe is where he breathed into our spirit the very life of God. And in our spirit, man being made of body, soul, and spirit, your body, that's what we see right now. Your soul is your mind, will, and your emotions. But your spirit is that place inside of you where communion with God, where walking with God happens. It's where the wisdom from God comes from. It's where God speaks his mysteries to you into your heart. It's where God walks with you and gives you fulfillment. He gives you Hope, he gives you joy, he gives you peace. That happens in your spirit. But there was a problem. Because God said, Adam, you're my boy. This is my version. <laughs> Adam, you're my boy. And here's what I want you to know. This garden is yours, buddy. I, this is your wedding gift. I'm giving this to you and Eve. I'm giving you rule over all the earth. I'm giving you dominion over all the earth. This is yours. I created you in my image. Now I want you to have it, and I want you to do your thing. He, but there's one thing I want you to know. See all these trees? You can have it all, man. You can eat from any of them. You can do anything you want to do, but there is one. There's one tree that you cannot eat of. See that tree of life, man, have all you want. But there's one tree that you can't eat of. It is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Stay away from that tree because if you eat of it, you will die. Adam and Eve are walking through the garden one day. And maybe Adam says to Eve, maybe Eve looks at the tree. She, you know, kind of like a, they think they're at the mall, you know what I'm saying? It's, and they're walking, looking at stuff, and she, she sees something. Man, it's shiny. It, and, and it looks tasty. And so she reaches out, and, and Adam says, ah, da, 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 da. Stay away, don't listen. God said, God said for us not to eat of that tree. And then he thought, man, she likes to shop. <laughs> she likes to feel of things. So, so eat, eat. He said, don't eat of it, but, but, be all, but he said also don't touch it. And God didn't say that. That was his little addition. And then Satan comes along. And Satan begins to talk to Eve and 
tempt Eve and Satan convinces Eve, did God say that if you eat of it that you will die? You're not going to die. You won't die if you eat of that fruit. You're just going to become like God. And so suddenly Eve, feeling like God is holding out on her, decides, okay, I think I'm going to eat of that fruit. And she eats of the fruit. And then she goes to Adam, freaking out, I ate the fruit. And Adam said, how was it? And ate, took him a bite. And so suddenly, at that moment, sin entered the world. See, see, it sounds fantastical. It sounds, it sounds like something that's so far from true. It sounds like a story tale. But in reality, it is, it is the story of God and man and redemption. Because suddenly sin came into the world. Sin came through the seed of Adam, if you understand what I mean by the seed of Adam. How many of you understand what I mean by the seed of Adam? For those of you that do not, go ask your mama. Sin came through the seed of man. Therefore, every man born after Adam's sin, every baby born after Adam's sin, passed on the line of sin. And we were all born with a sin nature. You say, but, but how do you know? You, do you have to think about it? Look at your kid. Look at you when you were a kid. If you forget, ask your mama about your little meanness. We were all born with a sin nature. We were all born with a desire to sin. Some people were raised up in a way that they have a little more discipline to pull the reins, but you still have a sin nature. And that sin nature inside of you is what keeps making you want to move away from God. And so sin came upon the world. But there was a moment when God said, it's time. You see, because sin came through the seed of man, because sin came from a human being, from a man, nobody but another man could pay the price for sin. Nobody but another man could come and say, I want to stand in for them. It would be like a judge standing with two people and, and somebody coming to the judge and saying, you know what? Um, judge, my brother, he's, he's, he's broken the law, and I know that he deserves prison. But, but I want to pay, I want to pay, I want to go to prison for him. And then the judge looks at the other guy and says, well, that would be good, but you, you see, we caught you both at the same time breaking and entering, and so you've got a debt to pay as well. So you can't pay your brother's debt by going to prison for him because you're going to prison for you. And see, for every one of us, it wouldn't matter if, if you came and said, my son wants to die, die for you. It doesn't matter. You can't because each of us owe our own sin debt. Does that make sense? Each of us have a debt that we owe to God. It's a sin debt. And so it would take one who could come into this world that did not have the seed of Adam to be able to pay the price for our sin. Someone who didn't have to pay his own debt. And so Jesus came into this world born of a virgin. See, every other child born, the seed of man, but this one, as Mary was moved upon by the Holy Spirit, the seed of God. 
He's fully man to be able to pay the price for our sin, but he is fully God. And he comes into this world, he lives a sinful, sinless life. The Bible said he was tempted in all points like we are, yet he was without sin. That's good news for you and me. Good news for us. But the point came that he went to the cross. And on, on the way there, when he was beaten... These men were trained to take a man, these soldiers were trained to take a man to the point of death without letting him die. But there was something different here that even these men and these soldiers did not understand. There was a, there was a ferociousness about about the beating that they gave Jesus that they didn't even understand. There was something inside of them that caused them to hate Jesus and have anger toward him and want to beat him within an inch of his life, and they didn't even understand why they hated him so bad. But Satan had come to a point. He moved upon those people in such a way that he was going to destroy Jesus for one and last time. It's done. It is over. And so through Satan, as he moved and influenced these people with such a hatred, they didn't even understand as they beat him to the point that Jesus, Psalm 22, in prophecy, said that Jesus didn't even look like a man. He looked like a side of beef that had been beaten. His skin ripped from his body until you could see the very tissues, the muscles of, in the tissues of his body. But he didn't die. Not yet. Out of all that beating that he took, not one bone in his body was broken. And the reason for that is that prophecy said that not one bone in his body would be broken. See, there's a lot of little things that are pretty exciting about who Jesus was. He fulfilled every single prophecy of the Messiah and his death to the T. And Jesus now is hanging on the cross. He has one encounter with a man hanging there that realizes who he is. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. They take Jesus down from the cross after he dies. They put him in the tomb. Satan and all of his soldiers think that they've finally done it. David, they finally did it. Satan probably thinking he should have taken my offer back when I tempted him three years ago. He should have taken my offer when I told him that if he would worship me, I would give him everything. But he didn't. Now he's crushed. He's in the tomb. There's no hope for mankind. Redemption is over. But three days later, you see, three days later, Jesus had had a plan. Because three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. Why is that important to us? Why is it important for us to know that? Because the plan for mankind. You see, if you're here and you've never met Jesus, now's the time. See, what I can promise you is this, and this is not to be mean, but what I can promise you is this. If you take the chance on standing before God on your own merit one day and hope that you've been good enough and you've done enough good deeds that God would say, well, come on in. 
What kind of horrible father would take his son, let him die a horrible death on the cross if there was any other way to get to heaven except through faith in him? And there isn't. There is no religion. There is nothing that you can do to ever be good enough for God. Never be holy enough. Never be righteous enough. And yet, Jesus said, I'm doing this for you. The holy expectation of God as a mountain was so high that there was, it was literally impossible for any man to ever reach the top. And so Jesus came and he said, I know the flag at the top up there, I know that you've got to have that to live. And I know you can't make it to the top, so I'm going to go to the top and I'm going to get for you what you cannot get on your own. And Jesus went to the top. He died on the cross. He rose again gloriously three days later so that we could have hope, so that we could have life, so that we could have eternal life, quality and quantity. An encounter with Jesus will change your life. Say, bud, I know I I had an encounter with Jesus, but I'm so far, I didn't say he'd make you perfect. I said he'll change your life. And he'll change your life consistently for the rest of your life if you'll let him. Consistently for the rest of your life. See, I didn't know Jesus. I didn't know about the Bible. But there was something happening in me, inside of me that I couldn't explain. See, there was a time when people, there was a time when people would, would receive Jesus and their life would change. I mean, there was some, there was some evidence that something had happened in them. And, and even people that didn't know what happened would look at them and say, there's something different about them. And they used to say, I bet you they got Jesus. Some would say, I bet they got religion. But we know it ain't religion. We know it's Jesus. Do you know what they say today? I bet they're on drugs. <laughs> but I'm telling you what Jesus can do in you better than anything that you will ever know. Because see, inside of you, that place that went dark, when sin came, that place that went dark inside of you, that place inside of you, it was built for God. It was made for communion with God. It was made for worship. It was made to worship the Lord. It was made to bring peace with God. It was made to be the joy spring of life. It was made for that. And when Jesus comes in, you've got access. Now, some of you haven't learned how to, 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 to walk in all that yet. That's why you want to keep coming back so I can tell you more and more. But what I'm telling you is it's there. It's the spring of life. It's the river of life flowing out of you where God changes everything. There was a lady that had an encounter with the Lord. Jesus is on his way back traveling with the disciples and he goes to sit at a well while the disciples go down to, to Burger King and they're going to get them some burger and fries and they, they're, they're, they're out eating and, and Jesus sits down at a well and a woman walks up to the well. She's about to have a life-changing encounter with the Lord. She walks up to the well and she sits down and Jesus said, will you give me a drink? And she said, what are you doing having anything to do with me? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. We hate each other. 
Don't you know about racism, Jesus? Don't you know that we are supposed to be hating each other? Don't you know that your race hates my race? Jesus goes on. She, Jesus begins to tell her about this living, this water, this living water that will come inside of her and that she will never thirst again. She said, well, but you know, here's this, this deal about uh, worship. Your people say that you're supposed to worship in Jerusalem. Our people say that we're supposed to worship here. And Jesus said, I've got that one covered too. I got the racist racism issue covered. And I'm going to tell you about it. I've got the worship issue covered too. You see, the real father wants you to worship him in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. And it's not about worshiping in that church or that church or that building or that place. It's about worship that's going to spring forth from your spirit, that place where that was originally meant for me and you to hang out, that place that was originally meant for you and I to talk to each other, to love each other, to spend time together, to experience all that there is to experience with God. I've got that covered. And then he starts to talk to her about her human relationships. And he asked about her husband. I'm, I'm, I'm not married. Yeah, I, I know you're not. You just told the truth. Jesus, I know you've had five husbands. And then the one you got now, the one you're hanging out with now, he's, he's not even your husband. And she's freaking out. And then Jesus began to share with her that he's the living water. She even one time said, but I know there's a Messiah coming. And he said, I'm him. I know there's one who is supposed to come, the Messiah that is supposed to come. And Jesus said, I am him. See, she was looking everywhere and she met him and she had an encounter with him and she changed, he changed her life. Listen to me. Some of you are here and, and there's a hatred so deep inside of you, whether it's racism or whether it's unforgiveness because of somebody has hurt you. There's a hatred that is so deep that you can't experience love. You can't experience the freedom God has for you. And what Jesus is saying is I came to deal with hate. In my kingdom, there are no such things as the Jews against the Samaritans. There's no racial conflict in my kingdom because we're a new race and it doesn't matter what color your skin when you're in the kingdom of God you're one race there's two races in the world today those who know Jesus and those who do not and those who do know Jesus are not supposed to hate on the ones that do not but what we're supposed to do is love the ones that do not to invite them and bring them into the kingdom of God to the son of God who forgives sin who gives life, who walks with us daily, who gives joy where there is no joy, who gives hope when we feel hopeless, that one who brings freedom from the bondage of sin when nothing else can. That's an encounter with Jesus. This lady, 
her hate problem, her racism problem, her unforgiveness problem taken care of in Jesus. Her worship problem taken care of in Jesus. Every one of you, all of us were created for a long to worship. And if we don't worship God, we'll worship someone or we'll worship ourselves. But when Jesus comes in, he takes care of your problem and trying to figure out who to worship. And then see, some of you are here and, and you've thought that it's a human relationship will fix your issue. A human, if, if I just could get married, everything would be wonderful. You put all your eggs in the basket of thinking that if I can find the right woman or the right man to fulfill this empty place in me, everything will be good. Just the right woman, the right man. And I'll tell you, a right woman, a right man can make life a whole lot better. But it won't fulfill. See, there's a place in your heart that only God can fulfill. That lady, when she had an encounter with Jesus, she had a choice. She could either walk away, go back to the, the, the guy that she's living with now, hoping that somehow, some way, but what is it that makes you think after the first marriage and something didn't fulfill her life, a second marriage and something didn't bring fulfillment, a third marriage and something didn't bring fulfillment, a fourth marriage and something didn't bring fulfillment, a fifth marriage and something didn't bring ful- fulfillment, and now we're working on number six. Somewhere along the line, we've got to know that there's something deeper inside that is missing, and and only Jesus can fulfill what's missing in your life. He wants to set you free. He wants to give you life. He wants to bring peace into you. That lady came front face to face with Jesus. You have come face to face with him this morning in the gospel. But she had to decide. Do I go back? And keep living in hate? Do I go back and keep being confused about worship and who God is? Do I go back and hope that somewhere down the road a relationship will bring fulfillment? Or do I put my trust and my faith in this one standing before me now? And that's exactly what she did. And you're at a place in your life right now that you can choose Jesus. You can begin today with an encounter with the Holy One. He loves you. Religion won't fix you. A code of morality won't fix you. Trying to be better than other people won't fix you. There's only one thing that changes life, and that is Jesus He hung on a cross and up there on that cross he looked at me and he said bud you've got a debt to pay and because of that sin debt 
I can't have a relationship with you. But all that sin that you did, all those things that have made you feel guilty, all of those things that have brought shame, I took them to the cross. you'll trust me I will set you free of guilt I'll set you free of shame and you will never never again be condemned because you'll have my righteousness would you bow your heads for a moment you're here today and you have never been born again. You have never trusted Jesus as your Savior. You can do that right now. It's just a matter of faith. Would you live, Would you just raise, if you're here and you need Jesus, you've never been born again and you want to be saved, would you just raise your hand and I'm going to pray with you. God bless you. Anybody else? Bless you. Anybody else? Keep raising them. I see you. Now here's the deal. Jesus sees your hand. It's, it's him. He's the one that changes your life. I'm going to pray. And, I, and, and all, of you, all of you that have accepted Jesus as your Savior, why don't we pray? Pray this with me out loud. Even though I know you've already accepted the Lord, it, it just feels good to say this prayer. So say these words with me. And if you are here and trusting Jesus as your Savior, along with everybody else, say this as a prayer sincerely from your heart. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. For paying my debt. A debt I could not pay. Thank you for giving me your righteousness washing all of my sin away. Thank you for raising from the dead that I might have life abundantly. I receive you as my Savior. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your life. Thank you for this encounter. I am now born again. In Jesus' name. Let's stand and sing.